All right, and welcome to the, I believe, fifth Trek About special. If you're keeping track for some bizarre reason that you should probably let us know because maybe you're stalking us. We're allowed to have crazy fans. I want us to have crazy fans. We have a Patreon up, so please go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and uh, be a crazy fan of ours. I am so happy that you are... Getting, getting into the ask out there, you're you're doing good. My my former fundraising brain is is really proud of you. Thank you. Uh, so this time we are talking to none other than Drew Ackerman of the podcast Sleep with Me, uh, which is sort of billed as the Insomniac's sleep aid, um, which is actually a good thing. So so Drew, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me on it. I didn't realize it was a special, so I, I actually I did not wear uh, anything special. I, I, I say feel special though. So thank you so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, Patreon's a great place for fans of shows to offer value for value. So I think all these listeners that love your show so much should get over to that Patreon. Because uh, I, I mean, I love supporting podcasts on Patreon. Like, so uh, it's great you guys started it. Yeah, I think so too. And and it pays for our cost at least, which is nice. So uh, we can afford things like rent and food, which is always very exciting. So I just uh, want to wanna... say that I uh, dressed up special for this uh podcast i'm wearing pajamas in honor of the sleep with me podcast awesome yeah that's like it so in case i put you to sleep then you'll be ready for bed you won't even have to do anything we'll just have to uh cut you off it's very i I should be cut off i'm i'm it's it is very easy for me to fall asleep in any situation so yes this may happen I uh, am actually not wearing pajamas, which is very unusual for me. I, I am fully dressed in, in outdoor clothing, uh, but my dog is sleeping on the floor next to me, so I think that counts. Yeah, I, to, I put my dog gate up because my dog has like a terrible snore, so I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't want her, uh, like, I didn't want your listeners being like, what is that strange noise? Like, <laughs> is that a sound effect or something? So she's like staring at me from the other side of the dog gate, but uh should be a distance enough to cover us. Oh, what a sad, sad situation for the dogs. So, yeah, we wanted to have you on, Drew, because uh, you actually... So you record and release uh, three times a week, and which is, you know, very prodigious of you, and we're very it's proud. Bad, and, bad and, idea. And bad idea. Don't, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, don't do it three <laughs> times a week. Yeah, we, we do this one once a week, and then we have another podcast we do called Tuning In Once a Week. And, uh, so we've got two a week, yeah. Yeah, we got two a week, which which is... It's a lot of work, and yeah. um, weeks that we have to do our patron special, we do a patron special once once a month. That's uh, that's that's a hard week. That's a hard day because we do them all in in one go. Um, you know, because we both work, and you know, it's hard to coordinate schedules over the east and west coast. But but we make it work. Um, Don't feel sorry, yeah, for wanted- us listeners. But if you feel sorry for us, no. Go to patreon.com slash check about. <laughs> well, I don't want to Never- be crass about it. No, be crass. Never give up an opportunity to ask for money, Richard. Hey, this fuckers, is... do our goddamn Patreon. Is that good? Wait, what's the what's the Patreon address again? Just so I have it memorized. <laughs> it's patreon.com slash show. So, yeah, we wanted to have you on because one of the you, – you, every Sunday, I believe, right, you, you record and release a, a TNG uh, Sleep With Me, which, which is kind of cool. And I, it's something I never really thought about before. It's sort of the whole conceit of your show. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as I understand it, it's basically uh, it's sort of a, a stream – it's a stream of consciousness uh, to, to put people to, to sleep, essentially, that, that have trouble sleeping. And you kind of do TNG as a bedtime story once a week, which is really cool. Um, we kind of coordinated this to, to talk about the TNG episode Rascals. Um, so we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But 
it, it, it's kind of a cool idea. It's one I never thought of before. So, so why did you start doing TNG of all things? Well, so like in order to come out with three episodes a week, it's like, you know, as you guys know, it's a lot of work. And so I decided at some point to once a week do a TV show recap. And I started with Game of Thrones. And then once I had caught up with the Game of Thrones season a couple of years ago, I was like, man, what am I going to do next? And then I did uh, Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad, there was like a Colombian version of Breaking Bad that had come out called Metastasis. And it, it had just come out on Netflix, so I was like, oh, I could rewatch Breaking Bad and the Colombian Spanish language version at the same time. And then I went through that, and as I was getting to the end, those two shows are not super bedtime friendly, you know, they're, they're, uh, yeah. their content can be a little bit violent and stuff, but... Uh, Pretty so, intense. Yeah, so intense, and uh, I was like, what show am I going to do next? And I have a couple rules, it's like, one, I watch the episodes like three or four or five times a week. So it has to be a TV show that's uh, that I can maintain some sanity, like watching on multiple viewings. And I wanted oh, something... Oh, you picked Rascals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Well, I guess after the second time, you really start to like uh, discover new things about yourself <laughs> in, the, in the episode. But so, I don't know. Like, I thought about TNG, and it's a little bit less intense. And I had never... I'd seen a few episodes, but like I was coming to it with a fresh experience. So I was like, okay, that'll give me a lot of uh, ways to talk about it. And it's really beloved. So I was like, okay, I think I can do it. And I, I watched about 15 episodes just to see, okay, can I sustain yeah. this for a year? And I was like, okay, the, just it's so character rich and, and the plots and it can be absurd in a positive way or a negative way. But so... I don't know. I landed on it because I knew I could keep going like for 54 weeks or 100 weeks, however many weeks we do it for. So so are you going to event? You're not going to do every single episode of TNG then. You're going to kind of do like a year or two and then move on to another show. Is that the idea? Yeah. So I'll do when Game of Thrones picks up, I'll do like a seven or eight weeks of Game of Thrones and then uh, go back to TNG then maybe take a break for Halloween specials and TNG and then holiday TV show specials or something. But yeah, I'm like bouncing around seasons too, just cause, uh, I don't know. I thought it would be interesting. I don't know. Since it's a bedtime story, continuity is less of an issue. And it, it really gave me like, like the more things I can kind of go on these rambling pointless tangents about like, like, even me being a little disoriented, like even with Rascals, there's a couple small things that I was like, huh, I don't quite understand this. <laughs> so it just gives me more space to meander and the listeners then have permission. They're like, oh, this is familiar what he's talking about. Uh, but then they can be like, oh, but I don't really need to listen because he's talking about Rose Headband and it going on a tangent about Rose Headband. I mean, I think Rose Headband is, is very important to, to the character, but... I was very <laughs> distracted by Guinan's hat in the episode. Um, <laughs> well, uh, in general, it's hilarious that they go through this transporter accident and their clothing is miniaturized, um, especially because they make a point of Picard having his, you know, adult-sized uniform on, but I love Guinan's smaller hat. Yeah, that would that threw me off too. Like some of their uniforms shrunk, but not yeah. all of their uniforms shrunk. And then uh, I wonder what the out, like the wardrobe fitting was. If, <laughs> like uh, 
Like it's it was pre selfie era, but to see Whoopi side by side with the child actress would yeah. have been hilarious. Stuff like that. I'm and surprised the, they didn't do like a little promo shoot like that. I, I I think I recall a picture like that, although I might be hallucinating it. I don't know. Such a uh, good idea. You feel like you have to imagine it, up, conjure it up. You know. And they could switch hats. <laughs> switch hats. There you go. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing that Whoopi Goldberg would do. She's very warm and supportive and would like to talk to her little uh uh diminutive uh counterpart and i think give her some some words of wisdom so i i I feel like that's true maybe maybe it's not true but i feel like it's true uh it's really too bad because i i went to the big 50th anniversary star trek convention last summer and Whoopi goldberg actually went i think for the first time and that would have been a perfect question to ask her but you know say la vie i suppose i assume that the actors and the kid actors work together at least i mean especially the kid who plays whoopi goldberg is really good at playing whoopi goldberg but yes yeah yeah <laughs> I, I thought that the child acting was not like professional child acting where it was like terrible like yeah and even keiko she almost had like keiko's manner yeah. of like the way keiko speaks like in this kind of halting speech like she even had that down i was like man like they, they really did a good job and i just liked how they cast Picard with this kid with the super sweet hair. Like, I was like, oh, they really are having fun with this. <laughs> there was actually a really uh, interesting article I read a few years ago. I think probably about the time that, that Kieran Shipkin was was getting a lot of press for, for her uh, role on Mad Men and talking about how the, the quality of children's acting has actually gotten a lot better uh, over the past like 10 or 20 years. And there was a specific acting reason. There was some sort of new teaching technique or something huh. that, that uh, they were teaching children actors or, you know, children that wanted to be actors that was kind of causing them to, to actually, uh, you know, kind of tap into a, an emotional core that they could understand or something. Wow. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was cause I'm not an acting teacher, but it, it was interesting to me because I think like, if you look at an episode like Rascals, for example, and, you know, I mean, I will be clear. I, I don't don't like this. episode. <laughs> uh, I, I like I'm a big Star Trek fan. Uh, you know, Drew, you're you're not. And, and Richard, I think, well, maybe at this point you are, but, but I mean, certainly not. I have to say it's nice to meet somebody who had not seen TNG before doing this, because, you know, in, in the Trek world, the fact that I came in not being a Trekkie is a little unusual. And so it's you know nice that someone else has that same experience. Everybody for the most part, uh, like, like we, we've done a lot of guest work with, um, Wes, uh, Teasdale of his podcast, the Penske uh, file. And, you know, he was a T was talking about watching TNG when it was on, you know, and I really only saw a couple episodes, you know, I didn't really have that as much. I show, like it's it's good. I mean, I'm not watching it in an ironic way either. Yeah. It's like I, I, I'm glad to be able to watch something that people love and then be able to reflect on it, like in here. But it's also interesting, yeah, to hear other people who are like new to it and be like, wow, like in in that for the most part, it kind of holds up. But episodes like Rascals, yeah. it holds up, and I guess in a different way, like. Uh, <laughs> in a more silly way, I guess, maybe. What's uh, always been nice about, though, is how welcome I've always felt around Trekkies. Like, nobody has ever... This is never... This is certainly not a subculture where people are like, oh, you weren't, like, part of it from the beginning kind of a thing. I don't know, which is very nice about it, to say. 
Trekkies are very nice and warm people, which which probably makes a lot of sense for uh, how the show could fit, yeah. uh, uh, you know, an insomniac bedtime story as yeah, well. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is, well, there is, I mean, it, it, I guess, you know, Rascals is interesting because it is this really sort of almost surrealist sort of take on it or something it's, i mean it's season six I, and they're running out of ideas and so they're getting the silly <laughs> ones what if they become kids okay and, and then it's like it falls apart because it gets to the 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 Ferengi, uh section and you're just like wow there's they really didn't know what the hell they were doing did they but it, it's funny because i mean your take on it uh you know i listened to to a bit of your episode but the thing that I really appreciated about it was was you really do this very um, it's it's a very very matter of fact retelling of the plot, but you also add weird details, and then you also sort of like sometimes will add in dialogue that wasn't actually in the episode. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it, like, what's your process there? Because you seem to have a, a very specific way that you're doing this, and you don't want to. Uh, you obviously want to make sure that you're honoring what you're talking about, but at the same time, you you definitely are giving it its own spin. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, I mean, this is a strange image, but it's almost like taking a bath in an episode of uh, Next Generation or something, because it's like, I try to watch it once for pleasure, then I watch the episode once in like five or seven minute chunks, like between the ad breaks, and I'm pausing it and taking a ton of notes, and then I'll watch the episode two or three other times, like when I'm doing like kind of when I'm multitasking to just see what else I can pick up on. And then when I sit down to record, I'll have like the episode playing on mute with the closed captioning and my notes. And I'll just kind of like ease my way through the episode. But I mean, there are so many details like in this episode, the freaking Ferengi at some point he's in Picard's uh, ready room and he's like examining the fish tank. Like, (laughs) Like, and I could not figure out, and, and it's like a 40, maybe it's like only 10 seconds long, but he's like probing it with his hands and, and I'm like, what is he doing? He's like, like is he tried to, part. <laughs> yeah, he's like looking for a secret, like a secret hiding spot, like right before I think Riker comes in. And those are the kind of details for a sleep podcast that I, yeah, I can just kind of keep talking or I can insert, well, what was, was it Damon? What was Damon thinking? Is that a blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I could just kind of go off. And, uh, I think it is hard for some of my listeners that are like serious TNG fans have emailed me and they're like, well, it's kind of hard for me to sleep to it sometimes because, you know, I'm remembering the episode and if they had strong feelings, like measure of a man mm. was maybe an episode I felt like I really wanted to do it, but like looking back on it, like it, it, it's a really intense. So something like that, like is like a is kind of like a gut call. Where rascals, something more silly, is a little bit easier. But then if it's too silly, it's almost it's a, it it really can wear on me because if I'm watching it so many times, it's like oh man, like uh, I, I don't know if I can take this. So we're going to tell I, you to avoid an episode called Cost of Living at just. A, 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 if at all possible. Okay. I have not watched that, so I will check it off. It's very nice of you to, to, to uh, help him dodge that bullet, Richard. Listen, man, <laughs> I, I, I have been there. I have watched that episode twice. Well, Rascal is a really good choice 
because like we've said, it's just goofy and silly. And, you know, I, I think it's terrible. But then again, I'm the person who probably takes Star Trek here the most seriously. But there, like you said, I mean, that was one of the questions I, I was wondering about. You know, you have some other episodes on there that, that maybe don't work as well as bedtime stories. So like for Measure of a Man, I think that that would be really hard to do. But then you say you do Breaking Bad. So, yeah. you know, how, how, do you sort of, how do you sort of balance that? Is it just kind of trial and error? Yeah, so with Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, like I definitely like make it more vanilla. Like, uh, so anything with like strong violence, like uh, let's see, like the scene with the ATM machine in Breaking Bad. Like, I don't even know. I can't remember how I did that, but like I would just try to steer around it as much as I possibly can. <laughs> and I will will get email like with Game of Thrones last season. There was some strong pushback from the listeners, but then I'm like, okay, well, I I put out two other episodes a week, and uh, part of it is just being able to sustain a show. It's like I couldn't watch like Teletubbies or something like like it would just be it just wouldn't be sustainable. Where something that I, I guess I have to love it or fall in love. In this case, I have fallen in love with TNG, hmm. and I mean this, the characters uh, particularly. Uh, like is kind of the, the most important thing, obviously, with character-driven show, so that like I can have a relationship with them, and then kind of because if I if I don't have an affinity for for most of the characters, I'm trying to think if there's any characters I don't like. Jordy. I mean, I kind of have a. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I appreciate Jordy. I mean, like, sometimes <laughs> I might get like jealous of Riker, but like not like like more in a fun way. Like, but I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, some of the tertiary characters, like like Measure the Man, like I hated that dude, whatever his name was, uh, the robotics guy. Oh, uh, Lieutenant Maddox. I told you I'm a... I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's no. the worst. Yeah, no, he absolutely is the worst. But that, I guess that would kind of make sense, though, because sometimes you can you can cast those characters as sort of the, the, the villains, right? I mean, you know, bedtime stories often do have, yeah. uh, uh, like, fairy tales and things or, or, or do have villains, so that could kind of work, and it's it's satisfying for them to get their comeuppance, I suppose, right? But for, for well, here's I, I have to say, for TNG, is so, like, a show of love that even they don't even make Maddox completely the villain. Like, Data does go out of his way to say, like, at the end, like, look— this is just isn't right yet, but you know, if you refine your theories and in a later episode, he mentions that he's been corresponding with him. Like they're even that nice about it. Um, I'm also thinking about, uh, the character of Admiral Necheyev, who you may, uh, encounter at some point. Uh, she's somebody who comes off as just kind of a hard ass bureaucrat who's, you know, blocking everybody and slow over her course of a few appearances. She and Picard, uh, you know, get an understanding between the two between each other and figure out how to work together um which is again one of the big reasons tng is so beloved but yeah there's that other admiral with uh lol with when, with data's daughter that guy's a total tool too I, I forgot what his name is but uh mm. yeah i remember data's day isn't maddox corresponding with him like is he sending him like a voice yeah. like uh, recordings he's making his own little podcast oh yeah that's the episode yeah yeah it is so well, yeah, I guess that's a good point then, because um, with, with TNG, I mean, you're not that familiar with it, although you're getting more and more familiar with it as you watch it. 
and and you're kind of doing it in a very strange way but i think that a lot of ways people get into things is, is strange. <laughs> I, I the way the way that i browbeat richard into getting into star trek is a bit strange because we watch two episodes of star trek once a week for over five years now so <laughs> there you go <laughs> I, say, but, I, I, I wonder if any who how many people have gotten into star trek the same way i have it's probably very few you're you're in a very rarefied uh, I, community i would think richard <laughs> But then you're jumping around, you're, you're watching episodes kind of randomly, you know, I'm sure that you're asking uh, for, for um, suggestions from your audience and other people. So, I mean, do you, do you, wa- do you wonder if you're going to, like, would you watch TNG uh, not for the podcast? Like, do you think you would start watching it yourself? Um, you know, maybe with, uh, you know, I don't know if you have children, but maybe with your, you know, I think a lot of people will, will share it with their children or whatever. Um, and, and just kind of, would you think you'd actually sit down and watch it even if you weren't doing it for, for the show? Yeah. Like I'm wondering what, what I'll watch next. Cause I've been watching it with my daughter now, like, and, 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 and like, it's just hilarious because like watching an episode like rascals versus watching an episode like a, like something more intense, uh, like the episode with Lol, like my daughter's crying by the end of that episode. She's 10. But then watching like like something where it's just ridiculous, like like uh, I, I don't know, like when they're jumping on the bed or Whoopi's skipping after Roe <laughs> in uh, like like where it has these uh, I don't know. It's really fun to watch it through a child and then also kind of helps you reflect back on the characters because then it's like, oh, wait. Like a lot of times we're seeing stuff through Data's eyes as like this outsider and and seeing his perspectives. So, so it really, I, I don't know. I mean, it, as a person that kind of tells bedtime stories, like seeing the storytelling, and I mean, it can be hit or miss for them, but but for the most part, it's like really the storytelling is really well done, um, and 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 I, I don't know, and really enjoyable. Uh, watching it this time, yeah, it, it is. I had remembered this episode as being forty-five minutes of Guinan and Roe jumping on the bed and running through the hallways. And I guess what struck me is how kind of succinct it is in a lot of ways. We get two scenes with Guinan and Roe. Okay, there's two of them. We get one scene with Keiko and Miles and what they're dealing with. We get one scene with Picard and uh, Doctor Crusher and his feelings about getting older and all of that and having his second chance and all of that. And then it goes to the Ferengi plot. We don't really spend... They could have easily been doing all of these, oh, well, here's what life's like now that they're a kid. Here's a lot of weird stuff. But they really just give enough to give a flavor of each of that. And I really appreciate how, again, how concise it is. Uh, And even even if the Ferengi plot is kind of a it's a dumb plot the ferengi never quite work as tng villains but well they 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 started out with an idea and and it was terrible and uh i don't know who wrote this episode i'll say it was jovanoski even though i have no idea if that's who actually wrote it Mm-mm. and uh, so i'm sorry jovanoski if you listen to this and you did not write How this episode i apologize in advance but uh you know he wrote this episode he took it to uh, uh michael pillar whoever was running the show at the time and Michael Pillar said, you know, this is a really terrible idea. This is a really uh, terrible uh, conception for, for, a, for an episode of, of The Next Generation. How can we make it even worse? <laughs> and, of course, you, you go with the Ferengi. You add the Ferengi in, and that's just, I think, what happened. I guess in a way, though, it being the Ferengi is 
because again, this is a lighter episode. This is very much the episode that you can watch with your kids kind of a thing. And so you can't – and you have people who are physically a bunch of kids trying to defeat the villain. You maybe couldn't have that with Klingons or something more or, or the Borg or something more – physically threatening the fact that it is the Ferengi and they are kind of a paper villain and they just can be outsmarted maybe part of it and I mean I think even in the episode itself this is an inconvenience this is it seems that they're they're the ship is under siege for at most 45 minutes this is something that is just very quick and confuses everybody and the captain is indisposed so everything's a little weird but it's very quickly uh dealt with i don't think it's intended to be a super huge threat and getting an alien of the week might not make sense because again it's not really the focus of it as much yeah i mean i I think like does the episode ever resolve why they went to children or i mean they they fix the uh, the dna or whatever but like do they ever discover what the portal or whatever the interference was that they were went through in the beginning or they don't, do they? I, I don't think so. I think they just figure out how to turn them back and then everything is fine again. I mean, that's something that, that you'll find a lot with, with Star Trek, which I kind of appreciate, is is the, the Deus Ex Machina or the, the MacGuffin of the episode. I guess it's really the MacGuffin, not Deus Ex Machina. I'm, I'm confusing my terminology. But, the MacGuffins get uh, resolved by Deus Ex Machinas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. That's what I, that's what I meant. The, the you know the the plots of the episode, the MacGuffin, as you were, really don't matter, yeah. and they don't really care to resolve it a lot of the time, which I think is kind of refreshing in a weird way. I mean, it's certainly not how a lot of television works now, but it it, it I mean, you know, if they had had a five minute you know scene at the end of the episode where Doctor Crusher was explaining that it was a you know plasma cloud in space that was filled with temporal. Uh, particles and it caused them to intermix with the uh, <laughs> you know transporter. Then it would buffer. be a Voyager episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, the show is extraordinarily soft science fiction, and I find I'm appreciating that a lot. Um, the it's not quite Star Wars level of softness, but it does have a. They're not trying to always find real underpinnings for why anything's happened. There is a lot of a wizard did it going on. And that, I think, lets the plots be a lot more fanciful. I mean, you can't. It would be. In today's, you know, post Battlestar Galactica gritty sci fi world, you can't have something that, well, it de ages them and then we can just, you know, yeah. do some techno babble to fix. You couldn't have something this goofy. And I think that's why I appreciate the show. I, I wonder, I want to ask you, uh, Drew, about the Ferengi, though, because I don't know if you've watched any other episodes that, that feature the Ferengi. Have you? Yeah, actually, I have a couple. I might have a couple of Ferengi questions for you. So go ahead and ask, and then I'll I might quiz you back because I have some <laughs> Ferengi curiosities. <laughs> oh, great! We can make this Ferengi about. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just curious about your reactions to the Ferengi because the Ferengi, as Richard said, are, are sort of they're questionable sometimes in the Star Trek universe, and uh, they were initially designed as sort of a antagonist that was going to be sort of one of the primary antagonists of the next generation and that did not work out because they are fundamentally goofy so so like how do you react to them in an episode like rascals you know they remind me a lot of like so i grew up in the 80s of like 80s comedy movies like in some sense like like i think of like uh in this episode like the scene with Riker at the computer where he's kind of teaching 
the Ferengi about the computer, and he's trying to act like protect a little bit of his ego and be like, "Well, I've used a computer before." And then Riker's like, "Okay, let me tell you about the FTL plasma blah." In it, in the Ferengi is like trying to pretend like he's following along. Like I think it perfect mate was like uh, I think it was that episode where it was like really actually really funny like uh, where they one of the Ferengi catches them in the hallway and he's like oh <laughs> you know ambassador like blah 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 like uh, do, you know this is going to be good for business peace or war you know and he's like laughing and laughing or when they're bribing but they do feel like very more fun than serious villains. And then I, my question is about their – well, I have a couple questions about their clothing and their dress because it seems like I, – I just watched a, another episode with the Ferengi in it. And it, does the color of their clothing, like, is it, like, designed to match their environment? And then what is it called, the thing that's on the back of their head? Like, is that a – like, is it obscuring something gross or is it, like <laughs> – like it's you confuse that that those like I get obsessed with that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, no, it's a good question because I, I I like that kind of stuff too, or I have questions about it. So, the, for their clothing color, no, I don't think it matters. Um, I mean, we could go really into the weeds about the the, the Frankie society and culture and government if we wanted to, and and you know, hey, we can. Uh, one but, thing I will suggest is that yeah, TNG was a little more just kind of whatever with the Frankie. It was DS Nine that kind of makes more of a concerted effort. So a lot of the stuff is bleed through from DS Nine, uh, but they are much we are also seeing different groups of ferengi in both series so yeah i think that um i mean i would i would imagine that they're close they're you know they're having to construct costumes for guest stars and so they're probably modifying things that already exist that will fit them because you know they can't afford to to make uh clothing from scratch all the time for guest stars so i'm assuming that what they're doing is they're just taking what they already have and modifying it so and you know what I'm a sure doyalist answer well i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> like color blocking and things like that and they're sort of seeing what works with the skin tone and stuff like that so i would think that is really what's going on there that the colors don't mean anything in the way that that red means command and gold means engineering and blue means uh, science like nothing like that okay um, okay but but you know the other question about i think it's just a headdress i don't think it has a specific ferengi name if it does you know please send an email to the show or something and let me know that i failed as a trekkie but I will. It, it doesn't really cover anything gross. It's just their head. Uh, the the main there's a there's a, a Ferengi main character in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine named Quark, played by Armin Shimmerman, who you may or may not know. And uh, I mean, not personally. I don't think you have dinner with him or anything. But <gasps> what if uh, you had dinner? Wait, hold, hold on, Armin. Armin, get some drinks and get over here. <laughs> if you could, if you could get him on the show, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> That he he didn't wear it. I, I don't. I think there was a specific acting reason why Armin Shimmerman didn't wear it. He didn't like it, or it didn't yeah. feel good, or he he felt like it would restrict his his movements or his acting ability or something. But it's just basically like their their skull is kind of this four lobed uh, uh, skull. So it just it's that basically. I mean, hmm. there is the sense that I mean, this is a ship with a crew, and so there could be some kind of uniform thing with that. In general, we don't really see the Ferengi in uniform. There is no, um, basically, with it, and again, DS9 is the one that really runs with the characterization. But um, 
Ferenginar is essentially a planet in which Randian capitalism is a is their religion, and they, you know, they they talk about what's their version of heaven called the uh, fuck oh oh uh, 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 the grand exchequer i believe yeah like they, they you know they, they they believe that heaven you'll bribe your way in with all of the money that you accrued in your life everything is uh based on acquiring profit and so with it for mo- for ex- the for the federation who has no money they think of the ferengi kind of as a joke in a lot of ways because they are obsessed with something that doesn't exist and doesn't even matter um and yet it's you know they they're not they're not necessarily a warlike race they're not a you know but that said they will be happy with war profiteering they will be happy to commandeer and steal a ship if they think there'll be profit in it and so it you know but most of the ferengi you see just kind of dress i, I think more according to personal taste is is the is the hmm. suggestion that i've gotten from ds9 again they don't really they dress Kind of, a lot of them will dress fairly flashy, which makes sense if you're dealing with a one that believes in showing off how much money you've made. Devious bumblers, yeah. in some sense, in, in like uh, so the, compared to the other character, like it, they're almost like a perfect bedtime story villain yeah. because they're so uh, unthreatening, like and they're they're comical in a very childlike way, or, or like a. I just think of like good eighties or yeah. bad eighties comedies. Like they would fit right in there. Well, they they have their built in moral. Greed is bad. You know, if you're very greedy, you'll this is what'll happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, in a certain sense, I, I like I said, I mean, I keep kind of harping on the fact that I, I don't really think that Rascals is a very good episode of TNG, but in a weird way, it's like a better it's like a pretty good episode of insert television show here if you just watch it as an episode of television if you've never seen an episode of tng before i think it would probably work better because i mean frankly it's fundamentally ridiculous that the ferengi are able to take over the enterprise (laughs) this quickly and easily and and if you take it on the level of okay well this is an allegory for how adults don't pay attention to children or don't take them (laughs) seriously etc etc i mean you can overanalyze the episode you know till the cows come home but and we certainly have done that here but uh i mean on the show not now right now uh but but in general i just think it's (laughs) (laughs) but but in general i just think it's 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 goofy really yeah, yeah, this is a great word. Yeah, I, I, I think it's funny that compare compare this to Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, which do not allow themselves goofiness at all, do they? <laughs> this is a very different show you're doing now, right? I think it, and and that's what's nice about it. Like, uh, but it does have like like almost like this episode feels like if you want to dig super deep, like it's like. It almost had too many layers because it's like, oh, are they talking about prepubescence and and, and, and like puberty or what are these like? What are the metaphors in here? Because there's so many, and then the, all the weird stuff with O'Brien and Keiko, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I mean, that was like actually enjoyable because it was so awkward where they were like, but it was like, I, I don't know, it, it was. Uh, it, it's it's. I mean, it's fun to do be able to do it and and then be like, okay. Yeah, now Brian O'Brien's sitting down with Keiko, but then I was like, "Well, who gives? She's twelve years old. He's letting her drink coffee. Like that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, 
I, I don't know. Like, uh, it's yeah. They, they must have had so much fun making the show. I, I, uh. Well, they did. I mean, the the uh, the set of TNG was famously uh, hilarious, apparently, and, and fun loving, and and a lot of guest stars on the show really said that they enjoyed working on the show a lot. Um, well, I guess that's kind of an interesting. Uh, there's a lot of th- a lot of things that you've said about Rascals, like the Ferengi, uh, Keiko and O'Brien, that make me think that that you would be a prime candidate for for watching uh, Deep Space Nine at some point because uh, Miles O'Brien is a main cast member in that show. Uh, Keiko is a, is a recurring character. The Ferengi are a big part of that show. You know, if you're interested in the Ferengi, you, they 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 sort of examine their culture more and go into their philosophy and their their afterlife. You and, visit Ferenginar a few times, yeah, yeah. It, so I might have to put that on the list. I recently, like, I don't know if it's from Deep Space, Deep Space Nine, but I recently got a email from a fan who said they wanted to punch Keiko. So I I don't know if <laughs> what what they were referring to, but. Uh, I was like, okay, I, I think I'll discover that at po- some point. There, there's a you know, not to get on a soapbox, but there's sort of a, a weird, um, unexamined undercurrent of of misogyny in the way that some Star Trek fans treat some of the female characters, and I don't think this is limited to star trek i mean just look at i mean we've been talking about breaking yeah. bad just look at the way people reacted to skylar white when that show was on um you know even though skylar white pretty much was always right on that show <laughs> uh and and you know walter white was not the good guy yeah. of that show and people seem to have missed that point uh but that's a side point i would say yeah yeah, yeah. skylar white's the antagonist in that she is and uh, is at times an obstacle to the goals of the main character, but she's the good guy in a way. Yeah, she has all this just stuff dumped on her plate, yeah. like, uh, and she has to deal with it in the best way she can. H- had you seen Breaking Bad before you you watched it for for Sleep with Me? Yeah, yeah, like like I I had seen it and. Uh, like I think like my show's rated explicit my podcast. So it's like definitely like like people that had listened weren't surprised like that it, but but it it probably was less inclusive hmm. content-wise for people that like are are very intimidated by violence or sex and things. But uh yeah, I just thought it was like so rich. Like, because the main thing for me is like having a lot of stuff to talk about so that I can just keep going and keep meandering. And usually for the most part, I can make the content is pretty calm and, and fine stuff. So even with Breaking Bad, I guess in some sense as a challenge too, like to, to take something that's inherently conflict laden and, and try to find the non-conflict in there and make it into a bedtime story. So it, it kind of like is like a, a little bit puzzle-like hmm. and then... For TNG, it's like, okay, this is something that's new to me, uh, but, you know, I, I love science fiction and stuff. It was just, like, I think it just was, like, from a big family, and I didn't have the TV rights when TNG was on, like, the rights to pick the TV show. So, uh, yeah, it, it's more about finding shows that you can really mine for a lot of different things, like, on a lot of different levels. And I think it's 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 interesting that that an episode like Rascals. I mean, one of the one of the points of of your podcast is to be uh, a little bit boring because you you are <laughs> trying to uh, help people fall asleep. So so when you listen to you know one of your TNG or even one of your other uh, podcasts, uh, one of your episodes, 
you're I mean, you could say a lot of things about rascals I, I don't think boring would be one of them <laughs> so is it is it difficult for you sometimes to kind of intentionally tamp down the interest in the plot I guess unfortunately I think I'm like uh hardwired for boredom maybe <laughs> like so it's like par- partially my personality like I because I just get like like details like the headband I'll be <laughs> like Man, like that headband looks good. Like, what were the years that headband was like? <laughs> so I just my mind just goes down rabbit holes. Or like in the opening, like when they're on the shuttle, they're talking. Keiko and Ro are kind of talking about plants briefly, and then Ro's like, "Oh well," like she's like, "Huh? Is that a Farciferous Farsi or whatever?" And Keiko's like, "No, it's a Parciferous Farsi," <laughs> and she's like. I didn't know you liked plants. And Rose like, I don't forget about, you know, forget the whole thing. I just had to take a class. And I was like, huh, I wonder if there'll ever be a callback to that moment. Like it was like, Keiko's like, Oh, we might be able to be friends and just like stuff like that. And then Rose, like I'm a very grouchy person, like in my day to day life. So then I can really appreciate characters like Roe or Worf that are kind of like, uh, a little bit like grittier as far as their interpersonal, you know, it's just like a little bit harder for them. So I just love stuff like that. And then, I, yeah. So, so I, I tend to focus on characters sometimes or plot or details like, uh, like set details. If, if it's a, if it's a more set driven episode or, Stuff in people's rooms, like uh, what? She's what's on the wall in there? What? Like what? Like uh, there was a uh, ten forward one time recently. There was like these triangles or pyramids on the table, and it was only on the table for. And I'm like, what the heck? Those look like clock radios. Like what the <laughs> heck were those triangles for? But then I'm so busy with the podcast, I never have time to Google it. Sometimes people email me and be like, oh, but more about broader like social issues or, or deeper stuff. Or if I say, Oh, uh, Lieutenant Picard or something, you know, then I'll hear, obviously <laughs> you'll, you'll hear about it. Like, Ooh, that could be a great way for us to get like, uh, some fan mail. We could just start making like very obvious mistakes and, you know, getting people to correct us. <laughs> right. Right. You might have to do that. <laughs> well, it makes me think, you know, it makes me think uh, th- it's interesting that you get fixated on those like little details because I, I think that um, there's something been rattling around in my head for a while about how the the advent of, of high definition television has really changed the way that that set decoration kind of occurs. And, and uh, you know, TNG, nobody ever thought that they would no one ever thought that the audience would be able to see mm. the next generation in such detail. Uh, so it's just, it's kind of a strange thing that, that you're able to sort of pick up on those kind of things now, because, you know, they, they didn't really think that anyone would, would be able to see it well enough to, to kind of fixate on it. Well, you know, yeah, right, right. Well, you always read these things about like, uh, one of the favorite photos that I've seen was the set of the Adams family done it, you know, a color photo of the set of the Adams family. And it's all like green and pink and like just really garish because, it was filmed for black and white and that was what photographed very well. And it made it look very Gothic. So like every time there is this update in technology, yeah, I, I, set decoration and costume design have to change because to make up for it. I mean, c- costumes is something that is very much uh, ne- needed to evolve with HD when you can actually see the fabrics, for example. Right. Or makeup or yeah. focus. Like you can see on the HD, like sometimes when they're like putting someone 
like like in softer focus and then they'll cut back to somebody that's in like a harsher focus and it's like oh yeah you would have never noticed that but because it's hd it's like yeah it can be a little jarring yeah or like the- yeah or even just even just something like the lighting on on the bridge of tng where they well in general the lighting of tng is just very very bright and harsh and that has a lot to do with you know how television was lit back then because of the the televisions that people were watching things on. Uh, whereas if you watch like if you ever do you know one of the one of the TNG movies mm. for for Sleep with Me, uh, Generations you know is filmed on the bridge that they use for the TV show, and they intentionally like turn the lights down everywhere on the ship. And and when we recorded our podcast on that, I, I remember saying you know why don't they turn the lights <laughs> up? Who who turned the lights down? <laughs> like but they had to do that because they never imagined that that these sets would be you know on a on a movie screen 70 film yeah wide it's look amazing in in hd like I, I, like i've always been impressed like when they have the shots of the enterprise like i'm like wow those really like uh either held up or did they redo those or no like the- they just hold up those are the original model shots. Yeah, they oh, wow. yeah, the, the the people that worked on the show that did the model work for TNG did a really good job with I've, it and they they put yeah. a lot of detail into it for sure. I didn't know that. I thought that was one of the things that they had cleaned up. Wow. Mm-mm. No. They they did they had to redo any of the uh like phaser effects. Yeah anything like that because those were all gone um they mastered the show on videotape so they had to go back and when they did the hd masters of, of tng they they basically had to recut the the every single episode uh with the original timings which as you can imagine was very oh, expensive man. no wonder it took so long yeah, yeah. It, that's another nice thing is that it's available at least in the u.s like you can watch it on amazon and on netflix i'm not sure and then i think it's on tv it, it runs on one cable channel too pretty often so that's another thing when i pick shows it's like okay it's got to be pretty readily available yeah is is the idea there that that you you know you're you're kind of intending people to to watch it kind of before or after they listen how how do you expect them to do that or do you expect them to watch it at all i kind of just want to like create a place where they feel I, i guess this is strange when you talk about breaking bad and game of thrones but like that feels like familiar. So since like in different ways, like, I mean, Game of Thrones, I think it's just because it's so pop culturally relevant now and then breaking bad because it was kind of, you know, relevant, you know, six or seven years ago. And then TNG for people, I guess, like of a lot of different generations now, like, like it, it, it has like a, Everyone has a relationship to it, even if they haven't seen it in a, like a, a like a focus about it, so that they can be like, okay, I don't even watch that show, but I know what data looks like, so I can imagine, you know, why he's and then, but then they also are like, well, I guess I could kind of drift off here because I don't really, I, I like they're like, I don't know. I think for most part, I mean, for the main characters of TNG, a, a large portion of the population that hasn't seen the show that are 30 and over should be pretty familiar with the characters, I would think. Yeah, everyone knows Captain Picard. Everyone knows Worf. A lot of people know Data. Yeah, yeah, many of... You know, maybe you don't quite know the back bench. You don't know who O'Brien is. Maybe you don't know Geordi. But, yeah, yeah. but then again, Geordi's visor is a very distinctive I, 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 costuming thing, and I think a lot of people know at least the picture. And LeVar Burton, of course. 
Yeah, they're like, oh, that's what he was doing without before re- at at the same time as yeah. reading Rainbow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually he he did reading Rainbow the entire time he was doing TNG, I believe. Didn't he? Because I think reading, I think reading Rainbow started in 1986, and TNG started in 1987. And he has a new podcast out too, Lavar Burton reads. It's called. It's I did like hear a, about that. Yeah, yeah it's it like could, a relaunch of of reading Rainbow. Yeah, it makes me feel like a butterfly in the sky. <laughs> well, actually, that that you know, that's a really good point because it's hard for me to contextualize TNG like that. I mean, I grew up watching it, and so I just always knew about it ever since I was a kid. But but for people that haven't seen TNG, I guess that they do know those characters in some way. I mean, that is kind of Star Trek to them. You know, I I think that in a way, people that grew up watching the original series, that's going to be you know Kirk and Spock and those characters. Now those are still iconic characters, and I think we saw that when like Leonard Nimoy died, for example, a couple of years ago. Um, and I think people maybe, really really responded to that. Sorry, and I think maybe pop culturally, Kirk and Spock are a little more prominent than Picard and you know whoever, but. But but I think that, that like Patrick Stewart for example yeah. you know I, that that I mean I, I worked at a, a radio station for for a few years um, and uh, you know well I don't work there anymore so I don't care I'll just say what radio station it was it was WNYC in New York and you know we we had Patrick oh wow Stewart, you worked um, for WNYC that's so impressive nice. <laughs> I'm saying that because it's a public radio station and we we had Patrick Stewart come in to to do uh, uh, on-air spots for us um, for one of our drives. And, you know, I was in the studio watching him work, which was amazing. But I I mentioned this because when when we had him come in and people heard he was coming in, you know, so many people said, oh, are you going to have him do a make it so or are you going to have him do a beam me up? You know, it was it was Star Trek stuff. And and these are people that I never thought would know anything about that. So TNG has kind of permeated itself into the you know, public consciousness in a way that I guess I never realized. Well, obviously, yeah, they, yeah. they don't know what they're talking about because Beam Me Up is not one of Captain Picard's thing because it is specifically canon in the show that Picard normally stays on the Enterprise and Riker has to give him the permission. So while Picard does do the away teams, it is more occasional. God. Well, that brings up another question of, like, are they contractually required to say hell every single episode? <laughs> like, uh, like I always like love how they like uh, at least Riker or Picard, or sometimes somebody else will be like, "Well, what the hell is going, Jordy? What the hell is going Riker on down likes there?" It, yeah, <laughs> like especially like because the late eighties and early nineties were still kind of uh, uh, like very. Uh, Hell was skirting. I don't know it, what yeah. the right. P- p- yeah, like people were a little bit more conservative still. Like in in, uh, I don't know. It's just fun to see them kind of like having fun with that. And I don't just to show kind of a. I mean, like frack in, on uh, Battlestar. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you're getting to the point where you know 10 p.m. Uh, basic cable shows can can actually say fuck, for example, which is something that that has happened that I've noticed in the past literally year or two. Uh, and, and it seems like they get one or two a season, but they're yeah, using yeah. them now, which is interesting. Well, part part of that too is, and I this is actually another maybe good reason why TNG works for your podcast is that it was syndicated, and so it was aired at all different times of the day, and and so they really couldn't go too far afield with the language and the sexuality for the show. It really was a family show, quote unquote. Uh, in the best sense of that term, because, you know, people could watch it at 3 p.m. People could watch it at 8 p.m. It was on all times of the day. They did not know when it was going to be aired in every market. So they kind of had to have mm. a baseline level of 
niceness about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I think like it's interesting because it's like it's consumable by everyone, like children and adults, but it's not neutered either. Like, yeah. like I like that the characters. I mean, it, it's a television show, so they have a, a stunted kind of point of view, but that there is some sexuality. That was like one of the things I was surprised about is how like prevalent that was because I was coming at it from like, oh, this is like in the late 80s, like early 90s, like Reagan and, and, and kind of like it, it's going to be more like dull. But I, I, how much fun they have kind of like talking about go, visiting Risa, <laughs> like all the different times that comes up. And I'm like, oh, man, like like Riker's smile says it all, like what's going on <laughs> down there. It cracks me up. Ha- have you done a holodeck episode yet? I've done uh, Elementary, My Dear Data, and The Long Goodbye. Okay. So so you haven't done any of the um, – well, there's there's one or two episodes I can think of where the holodeck is, is sort of much creepier than, than that. <laughs> so you, you might do those at, at some point. That would be interesting to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think we'll leave it there. Um, Drew, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and talking about the podcast and TNG and Rascals. I, I think Richard and I have really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was... uh, Richard uh, usually doesn't have any problems sleeping, uh, but I do sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't consider myself an insomniac, but, but every once in a while I will have a, a problem sleeping. So I, when that happens, and I hope it is not soon because I don't like it when it happens uh i i will definitely try your podcast for its intended purpose and see <laughs> if it helps me and i hope that it does yeah well maybe you should listen you listen to tuesdays and thursdays we have non uh tng content so that might be easier like it won't perk your brain up you're like wait a second what is he talking about like uh i mean like as i'm constantly mixing stuff up or uh like uh having fun but yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. And your listeners should not be rascals. They should get over to that Patreon because that's like a great way to support shows. I mean, that's a, like I have a Patreon and it's like a really key way because podcasts are a lot of work. You guys know that. Like, uh, So uh, don't be a rascal. Support these guys on Patreon, please. We appreciate that, Drew. And uh, everyone should go check out your podcast as well, Sleep With Me, at sleepwithmepodcast.com, if I am not incorrect. That's great. Yeah, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to check out Deep Sit. That'll be next on my list. Like, should I just start with episode one? Is that one you have to see with continuity? Yeah, I I, I don't know if that would be a good one necessarily to do for Sleep With Me, although some episodes probably would be. I'm imagining his In the Pale Moonlight episode, yeah. (laughs) yeah maybe don't do an episode called in the pale moonlight for sleep with me (laughs) i'll skip that thanks guys thank you very much drew